From the Theology of the Body Institute, this is the Ask Christopher West Podcast. Hi, podcast listeners. Well, hello, everybody. We're back for another episode. I'm so happy to be sitting across from my wife answering your questions. Happy to be here with you all. Our family just uh, rewatched an old favorite movie. Oh, indeed, The Princess Bride, and uh, it was it was fun. It's one of those movies that it has to be a while before you're ready to watch it again. And so, <laughs> it's probably us, five years yeah, or our more kids for me. Have been growing up, and so the younger ones get to appreciate it in a new way. Um, oh, it's so funny. It's such a and for us, you know, we kind of have different stages of our life connected to times of seeing this movie. Yeah. But you were saying, you know, that it's actually part of your teaching in some ways. Well, you know me, I quote from movies a lot. I was I was surprised. I think there are at least four lines from The Princess Bride that uh-huh. regularly make it into my <laughs> talks. Uh, one is um, inconceivable, of right. course. I use that. That always gets good laughs. <laughs> and the uh, the... Bishop at the wedding, Mowage is what brings us together all today, that whole thing. And there were two others. What were they? Um, oh, oh, I know. Um, Miracle Max. Oh, yeah, yeah. Have fun storming the castle. Yeah. And the other one is, life is pain, Highness. Anyone who says differently is trying to sell you something. Yeah. yeah those all make it into my talks on a, <laughs> a regular basis. Yeah. And I found myself just surprised as I'm watching it anticipating the next thing the person was going to say without even knowing I have these things memorized. You know, right. like, oh, I know what he's about to say. <laughs> and yet it's still a delight to hear it said and to watch all the great characters. Yeah. It's really if you're fun. looking for a fun one, yeah. I, I could hardly imagine that there are listeners out there who haven't seen it, who haven't seen it but it's, it's probably true. Yeah. Uh, but I don't know. Could you could you just jump in in 2021 and enjoy that? Absolutely. Or do you have to... Do you have to have like the history no. of the cult classic feel to it? No, and, I no? loved it the first time I saw it. But that's my point. You loved <laughs> it the first time you saw it. That was in the 80s. So? I'm saying there's <laughs> something you bring with you into your future because you loved it when you were a kid. Would somebody in 2021 who has no history with this movie enjoy the movie or would they just say stupid special effects, bad music, bad acting? I don't know. I'm just... <laughs> I'm just imagining some people jumping at the chance to go watch this movie and saying, what did, why did they like that? We liked it because we're so old. That's why we liked it. It's a funny movie. It is funny. It is good. Go watch it. (laughs) 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 Moving right along. So updates from Theology of the Body Institute. Yes, we have an update for our patrons. I know many of our podcast listeners are part of our global patron community. Mm -hmm. And we've been discerning here on our end. I know there's a frustration out there amongst the podcast listeners about, oh, I submitted a question, they never answered it. We, we do our best. We get hundreds of questions mm-hmm. submitted, and we only ever answer about three questions per episode. So there's just no way we're going to get to all of them. But we, we thought we could uh, bless our patrons and give a nod to our patrons in each episode and a thank you to our patrons in each episode by having the first question in each of our episodes be submitted from our patrons, which mm-hmm. makes the pool smaller and uh, enables the patrons to have a little uh, thank you from us for supporting our work 
And also it's a little incentive for you, if you're not a patron, to consider becoming a patron. It will up your chances that we will actually address one of your questions. And I'll just say this. Um, if you are a patron who submitted a question a long time ago and don't think it ever was answered, you can resubmit that oh, as a patron. That's true. So, um, you know, that's also an option. So click the link below about joining our patron community and you'll find how, as a patron, you can submit your question to the podcast and get into that smaller pool and have a, a much higher chance that we'll actually get to address your question. Mm -hmm. And from now on, uh, well, starting next episode, mm -hmm. next week, the first question on every episode of our podcast will be from a patron. From a patron. And the other two will be from the general pool of podcast listeners. Right. Okay, that's my update. Let's okay. jump into our questions. Excellent. Uh, our first question is from Vincenza. Hello, Vincenza. Vincenza says, thank you for all your amazing work on the podcast. I have heard Christopher talk about the dangers of Manichaeism and Puritanism. I understand that we should never blame the good things that God created for our misuse of them, which brings me to my dilemma. I think that my boyfriend broke up with me because he was too attracted to me. He's a devout Catholic and seems to avoid many things that could lead him to the near oh, occasion of sin. dear. Although he cited a different reason that he did not have enough time for a relationship, I suspect he broke up because he could not control his desires around me. Oh, dear. We broke our physical boundaries twice during the relationship. What is your advice to me? I feel thrown away. Oh, mercy. Oh, bless you, dear sister Vincenza. Bless you. Bless you. Bless you. I'm going to answer this question assuming that, or, or just presupposing that Vincenza is right. I could go, you know, down another path and say, well, we don't really know, but let's just answer the question as if we did really know that this is why he broke up with her, because of this Manichaean blaming of the good things of God for our misuse of them, abuse of them. Vincenza, your story reminds me of a story from years ago in my speaking career, I was at a Catholic campus, uh, you know, a campus where they take the faith very seriously, and a young woman came up to me at the end of my talk, and she said, Christopher, thank you, finally I get it, and she was tearing up as she shared this story with me, and she said, for the last four years I've walked across this campus and she was, she was young, she was very physically attractive, beautiful young woman. And she said, I've, I've walked across this campus for the last four years thinking I am an occasion of sin. Mm. Because the young men, whenever I walk by, look the other way. Wow. And let me back up here and just say, okay, I get it uh, from the male perspective here, you know, there's this line in the Old Testament, turn away your eyes from a shapely woman. Okay, I get it. That's from the wisdom literature. And to the degree that we are bound by lust, that retains its wisdom. However, as John Paul II teaches so clearly, we are called to so much more. When Christ says in the Sermon on the Mount, if you even look lustfully, 
you've already committed adultery in your heart. He's not saying, therefore, stare at the sidewalk for the rest of your life. That may be, in some cases, a necessary first step. But the goal here, as John Paul II himself says, is not merely to look away. The goal is to be able to see in the beauty of the other the mystery of God manifest. This is purity of heart. Blessed are the pure of heart, for they shall see God. And I thought to myself when this young woman told me this story, that she had felt like this occasion of sin because the young men would just turn their eyes the other way whenever she walked by. And she, was, she said she was even told by faculty, by, by, by uh, a priest one time, that she was an occasion of sin, that she shouldn't be so attractive, that she should whatever, uh, not be, not be, I mean, it, 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 it is the Manichaean demon at work here. Mm. And the Manichaean demon is this. It's, it's the shifting of blame uh, from, from my own lustful heart to the object, this, in this case, uh, a young, attractive woman who is inciting or stirring the lust. It's not that she's stirring it like she's intentionally stirring it. The problem is with me, first and foremost. And I would even say this, even if she were, even if it was like a prostitute intentionally trying to stir my lust, I have the responsibility, first and foremost, to gain control of my heart and to learn how to direct my passions towards seeing the true dignity, beauty, and goodness of the other. When we, when we shift the blame, just as Adam did in the garden, and say, it's the woman you put here with me, hmm. when we shift that blame, that's Manichaeism in its very essence. And so John Paul II says in his Theology of the Body that Manichaeism may be and might always be, he adds, a loophole to avoid the requirements of the gospel. Hmm. And the requirements of the gospel are precisely that we walk the walk, go along the journey of inner purifications so that we can not narrow our vision, but expand it. Expand it to the point of seeing the mystery of God revealed through the body. That's theology of the body, right? God's mystery revealed through our body. I'm going to quote JP2 again. Purity, he says, is the glory of the human body before God. And he goes on to say, in fact, purity is the glory of God in the human body, manifested in our masculinity and femininity. So, Vincenza, I'm so sorry you have felt this, as you said, you felt discarded. Is that how she Thrown put it? Away. Thrown away. Ah, 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 mercy, God in heaven. Uh, Vincenza, may I invite you? May I invite you to take that very real pain and offer it in union with the Lord as a prayer, as a prayer of intercession for this man's healing. He's bound, he's bound in his impurities, again, assuming that what you shared is what has really been going on here in his heart. He is bound in his impurities and he's shifting the blame. You are not the problem. You are not the occasion of sin. Your beauty is not to blame for his lust. His lust is to blame for his lust. His fall in humanity 
is to blame for his lust. And now, again, I'm assuming you weren't in trying to incite his lust. You weren't insensitive to his weakness. Uh, of course, that's all part of the picture, too, that we'd be sensitive to others' weaknesses. But just by being you, by being attractive, you are not an occasion of sin. You are an occasion of grace, the grace of growing in virtue. And I'm sorry he did not take up that occasion of grace. And instead, as it seems, he he has fled out of fear. I think, yeah, it's so important, Vincenza, to hear those words and let them go deeply into your heart. That There was a question on a recent podcast about um, beauty and the gift of beauty. And um, just to reaffirm, this is a gift of the Lord, and He wants to shine His glory through the beauty of His creation. And... Um, Every person is a fallen human being and is certainly, um, it's not as though we don't ever sin if we're beautiful or something, but we have the opportunity to receive the gift, to thank the Lord, and to allow it to draw others to Him and to give glory to Him. But the evil one doesn't like any of God's gifts to accomplish their goal. And so if he can convince someone that their beauty is somehow a bad thing, He's he's doing a dance. He likes that. And we don't want him to dance. We want you to dance. Mm, mm. So I just encourage you to receive those words and trust in the truth. Yes, pray for this man who has hurt you and, and that expression you used that you felt thrown away. You know, the Lord is not throwing you away. He does have, as we often say, a beautiful plan for your life. And that in these moments when things go wrong and hurt us. It's so important to have that ability to deepen our trust in the Lord and the goodness of his plan, and even to bring good out of this very experience, that he's so faithful that he can bring good in your life and in your boyfriend's life out of this experience. So that's our prayer for you. I'll share just one more story here in that's pertinent. Mm-hmm. A friend of mine, this was years ago, was out to lunch with a friend of his, who both of them devout Catholics, and a waitress came to take their order, and she was quite attractive, and my friend noticed that his friend was treating the waitress really uh, impolitely, Hmm. uh, just not being kind. And he finally, it was so apparent and obvious he was doing this, my friend called him and he said, why are you treating her like that? He said, well, if I didn't, I'd be lusting after. Mm. I thought, oh, mercy. So you, you exchange one sin for another. Oh. It And, and uh, let me, again, just say a word of, I get it. I understand the struggles of being a male. I am one. But I want to hold out to every guy listening right now to this podcast. And, of course, every woman. But speaking as a male to the males, guys, guys, pray for me as I pray for you. I'm going to proclaim it. It's real. But pray for me, and as I pray for you, that we can live it. It's real. There's another way to see. There's another way to think. There's another way to experience our erotic desires. They can be aimed by God's grace at all that is true, good, and beautiful. Here again, I'll quote from John Paul II. Christ does not want us to repress erotic desire. He wants, this is the quote, 
Christ wants us to experience, quote, the fullness of eros, which implies the upward impulse of the human spirit towards all that is true, good, and beautiful, so that what is erotic also becomes true, good, and beautiful. Fight for it. Fight for it. Fight for it. If you don't know what I'm talking about or you don't know how to enter into it, please study the theology of the body. Dive in deep. Please take our online course. Please, please, please learn more about how to enter in and live this. You can't tell me it's not worth fighting for. You can't tell me it's not worth dying for. It is. It's worth it, guys. Go for it. In the words of the prophet Forrest Gump, that's all I have to say about that. Awesome. Actually, I have much more to say, but I'm not going to say it now. <laughs> okay. Take the online course. <laughs> Next question is from an anonymous listener. I've been told by a few priests that to cut or self-injure is a sin and even a grave one. And reframing my struggle that way has helped me to resist the temptation with more success. Mm. But... I was wondering if you could speak to why it is a sin for me to cut myself, but okay for, say, St. Francis to flog himself. Like, what is the difference, and does the TOB speak to this? Bless you, dear listener. These are, these are deep issues, painful issues, complex issues much more than we can do justice to here on this podcast. Uh, let me say just a few things about, and we, we hear this uh, from various saints, a kind of punishment towards the body. The only way, the only way I can make sense of that, and you may hear from other people who make sense of it in another way, but there is such a danger here. We were just talking about Manichaeism, which involves a, a hatred of the body, you know, spirit good, body bad. And you will, you will hear in, in the writings of otherwise respectable people, real denigrations of the body. This Manichaean demon has inflicted many, many people in the church, uh, including many saints, uh, which on the one hand is a good sign, just because you're inflicted with that Manichaean demon doesn't mean you can't grow in holiness. Mm right? But, um, you know, some saints, this is a quote, I believe, from Mother Angelica, same saint, some saints are better admired than imitated. Uh, it, the church is not saying everything a saint ever did is, is meant to be imitated. Um, but again, there is a sense in which that um, flagellation, you know, that uh, taking of a cord or something and uh, whipping your back. I can barely even say it because it just seems so uh, unthinkable to me. But I, it approaches for me thinkability when I come to re reflect on those who have said certain saints feel such a union with Christ in his passion that they somehow have to feel it in their bodies like it's almost like an itch that you just gotta scratch um like i the, the the what i'm feeling inwardly in union with christ in his passion i have to get out i can 
approach understanding that as, okay, that sort of makes sense to me. I've never experienced that. I've experienced it to some degree, maybe, um, but not to the degree that I'd want to cause my body harm. Um, that said, uh, you know, what then is the difference between flagellating oneself and cutting oneself? Could a person be in such profound union with Jesus that they would want to drive a nail through their hand or something? Gosh, ah, I don't think that's healthy. And I think what's being manifested in someone who's cutting himself or herself is understandable in as much as this person is in so much interior pain that it needs to be expressed, pressed out. And so the cutting becomes almost, um, I mean this word not in the holy sense, but it becomes almost a sacrament of the person's pain. And by that I mean an outward manifestation, a physical manifestation of a spiritual reality. Could it be that that spiritual reality is I'm in union with Christ and his sufferings? I think there could be some truth to that, but I don't think that should ever lead us to cut ourselves because we are doing real violence to our bodies, even mutilating our bodies, causing us ourselves real harm. And, and that, is, that is not God's plan for our lives. Wendy, do you have any light to shine here? I feel like I'm, I'm kind of rambling and not coherent. Oh, I, I, I relate to this question, um, especially about the, the saints, and I know you kind of got there as well, of kind of this is hard for me to understand. Um, and it's hard for us to be living in our time period informed by the um, sort of approach to life that we just live in and grow up in without, you know, being fully able to understand the approach of people of a different time. Um, and, you know, where some of that behavior seemed to bear good fruit, either in the saint's life or in the lives of others around I don't think when we look at the phenomenon of cutting that we're seeing in our world today that we would in the same way say this is bearing good fruit in a person's life. No, no. Usually what we see it as is, is a coping mechanism that we want to overcome yes, somehow. Yes. We want to find a better way to um, deal with the pain that's inside that's coming out that way. So that's a very simplistic thing to say. It's not bearing good fruit. Um, and to, to admit that we don't have a full answer as to how and why it would have borne good fruit in some circumstances in the past. Not the cutting, but the No, yes, the but some of the, the behavior, right. extreme behavior of some saints. You know, I, I often just think the, the people of the time were somehow caused to have their eyes open opened to the truth of Jesus's love in some way through the life of a saint, you know, and that we want for everyone. We want that for you. If you're struggling with cutting yourself to have your eyes open to the truth of Jesus's love, like that is absolutely top of the list priority to have your eyes open to that. And so if there's, you know, all 
the psychological issues that might be behind cutting oneself. We, we lift that up in prayer and we ask you to seek the help that's best for those issues and to trust that what is going to bear great fruit is when you experience the truth of Jesus's love for you and his healing for all the wounds in your life, including wounds that you know you yourself are responsible for. When we say that something is a sin, it wounds us and, and we need healing from those things. So, um, yeah, that's, that's the extent of where I can go. I, I want to add just a little thought here, and I, th I think this is coming from an appropriate righteous anger in me. Mm. Those who would indiscriminately hold out practices that some saints employed in bodily mortification that bordered or even crossed the border into a, a kind of harm uh, uh, inflicted on the body, uh, those who hold that out indiscriminately without major qualifications, without deep understanding that this is something mystical, to the degree that it's correct and, and fitting in the lives of some saints, it's because of a deep, profound, mystical union with the suffering Christ. When those qualifications are not made, when that is not properly understood, you get precisely misunderstandings like this, as demonstrated in this question, could this bodily cutting be equated with with the practice of some of these saints? No, no, it 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 is it is not the same. Um, one comes from a deep psychological pain and disturbance, and the other comes from a deep mystical union with the Lord. And and I'm sure that there are some saints who cross lines. And on the other side, when they faced the Lord, the Lord had some correctives for them. Mm. Um, just as I'm sure there are some saints that are experiencing something that I can't understand in my weak understanding of such mm -hmm. things, they, they experience some mystical union with the Lord and the sufferings that I don't get. Um, I can re reverence it from a distance, but I'm not going to hold it out as something that should be uh, recommended to others, and again, because of the danger of just such confusions that we're hearing in this question. Mm -hmm. I hope that's shining a light to some extent. Again, I, I please seek the help that is necessary for w whatever the wounds, underlying wounds are that are leading you to that behavior. We love you, we bless you, we lift you up there. Our next question is from Jill. Hello, Jill. Jill says, our 17-year-old daughter thinks she may be gay. She puts that in quotes. I know the better term is same-sex attraction. She didn't tell me this, but told my husband. I'm not sure why she thinks that, so I don't know if she really has same-sex attraction or if she's afraid of getting close to guys because of father wounds. She says she, quote, knows she is a girl, when there's all this talk everywhere about transgender people. She also thinks the Catholic Church doesn't like gay people, but I've told her it's not the inclination or the person, but the acting on it that is wrong. I've said all of us are called to be chaste. I love the Theology of the Body teachings. I try to get her to read the books. I have many fears now for her, and I'm asking whether there's hope for her, what you can share of the teachings of Theology of the Body that can give her and me hope. Mm. Bless you, bless you. Yes, yes, there is hope. There is always hope. 
Life is hard. Life is difficult. There's deep, deep sufferings involved. We all have a cross to carry, some of this kind, some of another. No one is exempt. And in carrying that cross, it leads to glory. This is the promise. This is the promise. It leads to glory. All our sufferings united with the Lord lead to glory. This is the promise. This is our faith. So, dear Jill, yes, there is hope, but it would be a false hope to, to, to say that there's just rejoicing. Uh, our hope is pierced through with real suffering and sorrow. This is part of our faith. The sorrowful mysteries precede the glorious mysteries. There's the promise of Christ. Your sorrow will turn to joy. That's real. But there are labor pains that have to be endured for that to come to pass. Jill, I'm going to recommend a book to you by a friend of mine named Janelle Hallman. H-A-L-L-M-A-N. We'll we'll have a link to it in the show notes. The book is called The Heart of Female Same-Sex Attraction, a Comprehensive Counseling Resource. I would recommend this to you just for your own education. You you put out a few ideas there. Could it be uh, wounds from her father? She doesn't feel comfortable getting close to males. It could be. We, I don't have any way of knowing that. It might be. That can be a factor. Um, it could be many, many factors. And indeed, many, many factors go into that experience of same-sex attraction. Uh, Janelle Hallman, uh, I'm Gosh, I first met her over 20 years ago when we were living in Denver. And I've stayed in touch with her here and there over the years. And she's one of the most knowledgeable people I know of when it comes to the question of female same-sex attraction. There's been a lot of research and um, writing on male homosexuality, not as much on female same-sex attraction so this, is a, this, I think, will be a great resource for you, Janelle, just to gain an understanding of what your daughter might be going through. Above all, your daughter is in need of genuine love. The healing of all of our wounds comes through genuine love. Uh, something good in your daughter's heart has gotten twisted up. And the gift of redemption is that Christ can come into the twisted up places of our hearts and begin setting things in order. It's not an overnight process. It's a picking up of your cross every day and following the Lord. And sometimes, the, as St. Paul says, the thorn in the flesh doesn't go away. Uh, but God's grace is enough for us, as Paul learned the hard way. And these are lessons we all have to learn. Wendy, what are your thoughts. I I really love that you started your answer with hope because there have been many times when it has struck me as a mother that it may be that hope is the most important virtue of a mother. Mm. Mm. That um somehow in there are there are many things that we long for for our children and yet they are their own free human beings. We aren't in control of all their experiences. We're not inside their minds and hearts. And uh, we, we cannot possibly prevent our children from 
experiencing suffering, even from causing suffering, all those things that we wish we could. Uh, And yet, in those times when that discourages us, when we see that and we're so worried, that call to hope has been a huge help to me. And I will just say that I have experienced light shining in dark places in our children's lives that causes me to increase my hope, you know, and I pray that for you and your relationship with your daughter, that the Lord will remind you of how gifted she is and um, just her beauty and that you would be able to enjoy her even as you're lifting her up in your intercession for her. And I know that you and your husband are, that she would continue to experience all the ways that you delight in her person and that just the affirmation that comes from that and that seeing that um, would continue to give you hope. Obviously, we don't know what lies ahead and it is concerning to have her even bring up this question about herself. The Lord knows it all and there's only so much we can do beyond praying loving and retaining hope. I I know that this book may be helpful to many of our listeners, The Heart of Female Same-Sex Attraction, so I'm so glad that that um, was mentioned. And yet, um, she's so young, and we don't even know, you know, what what remains to be um, unfolded in her life. So I encourage you. Hope is a beautiful gift as a mom. I'll add another note of hope here for you, Jill. Teenage years, we all went through them if we're on the other side of them. (laughs) And they're not easy. Gosh, darn it. Teenage years can be a really, really tough time. I remember as a teenage boy wondering what kind of things were going on in me when I had strange attractions to Mm -hmm. people of the same sex. Was I gay? Does this mean I'm gay? Um, No, it doesn't mean I'm gay. I'm a man, and there's a meaning to be a man. Mm. And your daughter may be having confusing attractions. Does that mean she's a lesbian? Does that mean she's gay? No, it means she's a woman who's having confusing attractions. It it is confusing Mm -hmm. when all our hormones are are stirring in our bodies for the first time. uh, So it may just be a phase she's passing through. That's not to um, say don't have some concern, but to have concern in a balanced way in a prayerful way, in a way that you are seeking understanding yourself. Again, I think that book will help. Uh, You're seeking to pray, uh, intercede for her in maybe new ways that involve uh, re-looking at her childhood, re-looking at where some of these wounds in her heart, fears in her heart, wherever they might be coming from. Uh, Maybe the Lord could shine a light for you, Jill, in, in ways that your motherhood or your husband's fatherhood uh, may have, because of your own wounds, may have contributed to a, a, a sense of herself that is not whole. We all have that to deal with. Mm-hmm. Uh, Wendy, you and I are dealing with this with our children, how our brokenness has been passed along to our own children and how to heal from that. I, I've been going through a phase lately of relooking at my relationship with my father and healings that I need to still go through as a 51-year-old man Mm. because I'm seeing the ramifications of how I passed some of that crap on to my own kids. Mm. Um, So it may be an opportunity. This is my point, Jill. I'm not here to wag fingers or any such thing, but to invite you 
maybe this is an occasion for you to look at some of your own wounds in your relationship with your parents and wounds from your upbringing, wounds from your husband's upbringing, and to put them out into the light with the Lord. As, as we heal as parents, it has a trickle-down effect for our children as well. I know that to be a, a very sound spiritual principle. The, the more healing we seek in our own lives, that has a, a, a way of trickling down to our children. Yes, so we, we lift you up, Jill. We lift up your daughter. We lift up your husband. We lift up your whole family history. The Lord knows it full well, and he has a plan to bring about the fullness of redemption. The work he has begun in you, he has promised to bring to completion, and that's the same for your husband, the same for your daughter. Let us trust in that. That's where our hope lies. We hope this was helpful to all of you listeners out there. If you know someone who needs to hear this episode, click that share button, hit it, send it to somebody who needs to hear it. Thank you for helping us to get the word out about this podcast. Uh, We love doing this. It's a blessing for us. We hope it's a blessing for you. Until next time, remember, deep in your bones, you are an indispensable, irreplaceable, unrepeatable gift become what you are. Ask Christopher West is brought to you by the Theology of the Body Institute with music by Mike Mangione. Christopher and Wendy hope that the information provided is helpful to you, but remind you that they're not licensed counselors. If you're going through serious difficulty, a list of trusted counselors and psychologists can be found in the show notes.